this is the budget day and budget as we know is the most important political statement that any government makes on the economy. This is particularly significant because this is the last full year budget of the Modi government, of the second Modi government because next year on Feb 1 there will be a budget but that will just be a vote on account because the full budget for the full year will then be presented by the new government that is sworn in in May of next year. So this is, this is a very important political statement, political and financial statement, economic statement and this is central to the direction of India's political economy. That's the reason Cut the Clutter today also this episode takes a different flavor. It's a lot of analysis but also quite a bit of opinion. Usually I rarely splice in a little bit of opinion in Cut the Clutter and I qualify it. I tell you that watch out this is opinion right. So I put that health warning. In this case I am putting that health warning in the beginning that this will have a larger dollop of opinion but a lot of analysis. The second important thing is I am not going into data graphics, fiscal deficit, inflation numbers, likely growth numbers, etc, 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 sectoral, sectoral allocations. That is something that specialists are covering and also if you go to our website today, the print.in, you will find nearly 20 stories done by our people, our stellar team of economic correspondents, economy correspondents. So you will see that, you will see some opinion pages, so turn there. My, my vantage point is politics. So I am focusing on the political signaling of the budget and in fact I am confining myself sharply to that. With which let's get to the point. Is this in the last financial year of the second Modi government an election budget? Does it look like an election budget? Please allow me to respond to this with a counter question. Do you remember the last year a government cut taxes for the richest at the top rate, the richest at the top rate, that is those earning more than 5 crores a year in any budget, election eve or not, maybe, maybe immediately after the reform of 91, maybe a little bit in the Yashwansana phase but not after that, not for 20 years. Government has not cut taxes for the richest people in India for more than 20 years. What they have done on the other hand is they have kept on increasing the tax rate and after that they have kept on increasing the surcharges. You would need to go back some decades as I told you to figure out to find some year in which any government of the day would have given tax breaks to those at the highest level of tax paying population or the richest in the country. Nirmala Sitaraman has done just that. She has cut the 37.5% surcharge on the top rate of tax to 25 and handed the richest a 10% tax cut. So 30% tax, 37.5% surcharge, that takes you to 42.5, there are assesses. In this case, she's cut that 37.5% surcharge to 25, so tax comes to 39%. Is this not an election year budget then? or has the Modi government lost it? Because election year budget and you are giving a favor, you are giving a cut or, if, or you give away to the richest in the country, how many votes are these? Just a few thousand people or maybe at best just a few tens of thousands of people. If this is what we believe, we are still caught in old think about our political economy. We are missing the revolution of the past three growth decades that has taken place in India. We can explore answers to our original question more expansively. Is there any year when we do not raise the same question? I did so in my budget day article last year for sure. I am sharing a link of that with you. And I could have done it for any other year 
before that as well. If there is one thing we know about the Modi Shah BJP's approach to politics, it is that for them there is no such thing as a less significant election. Even a municipal election is a must win. The fact is, the fact is every year in India is an election year. So here is a short fact and the short fact is that every budget in India is an election year budget. It is the government's most important political statement on the economy and what are elections about if not public opinion and politics. See it this way, in our inherited political formula we looked at the following as ingredients in an election year budget. What is an election year budget? It must have big giveaways for the poor. Tax cuts on petrol and diesel, the slashing of customs duty on items of mass consumption, low luxury items please, large new distributive programs and fiscal profligacy. In fact, we have begun to see a lot of it in our state elections now. Free power, free this, free that, return to old pension scheme. We used to expect that in our national budgets also, particularly on the eve of big elections. The fact is, we haven't seen those for years now. Three growth decades have changed our political economy. We analysts are reluctant to change. That is the problem. Pundits are not changing. People have changed. And politicians have figured it. When Indian families' needs and expectations have also gone through a revolution across economic demographics, it changes facts on the ground for politicians. As this latest Modi Sitaraman budget demonstrated, politicians have understood this change. We haven't. They are responding to it. Politicians are responding to it. See the political messaging in this budget. It is an uncluttered continuation from last year. Ever since the first year of the rise of Modi, we have been listing three engines driving his politics. One, hard, Hinduized and Hindiized nationalism. You see that in all the idiom and metaphors used in Nirmala Sitaraman's speech as well. So many mentions of Amrit Kal, for example. And all the yojanas named in this Sanskritized manner, of course, the word PM or letters PM are prefixed before each one. If Hinduized and Hindiized nationalism is number one, number two is efficient, leak-proof delivery of the benefits to the poor, while at the same time minimizing their interaction with the petty local bureaucracy and consequent friction and humiliations. Today, most of the benefits that the poor get from the central government, they come directly to the person. It's central government to the person. You don't have to go to any official, any patwari, any sarpanch, anybody to first, first, first say that you are such and such person. Nobody has to affirm that. You affirm that you've got your Aadhaar card. Second, you've got your bank account and money comes directly in your bank account. So all that friction and humiliation of dealing with the petty local level government official, that is now gone. So these benefits then get delivered in a friction-free and leak-free manner, mostly leak-free manner. That's very important for the poor. And three, the building of hard, visible infrastructure. So visible should the new skylines and landscape be that they loom large on the popular mind. So people think that, oh, there was an India before this and there is an India after Modi. There was an India before Modi and after Modi. That is the third pillar. Ideally, ideally, they should be so visible and so big that the PM can land on the new expressways and IF aircraft and go on a flurry of inaugurations in the run-up to the elections. While there has been consistent increase in the allocation for highways, it grew by 36% in the latest budget, by the way, railways saw a big jump, going up by nearly a trillion rupees 
from 1.4 trillion rupees that is 1,40,000 crore rupees to 2.4 trillion rupees. The highways have been exploited electorally. Now move on to the next big thing which is the railways. Much wiser people are looking at the numbers, sectoral allocations, fiscal deficit, inflation prospects and so on as I had mentioned to you earlier. But politically this budget is a statement of confidence bordering on overconfidence in fact. Some confidence comes from having kept the fiscal deficit within manageable limits. That when so many countries richer and poorer especially in our neighborhood think about Pakistan and Sri Lanka have ruined their fisks in the three pandemic years. This government kept its counsel and did not listen to well-meaning if panicked economists and experts. That India's economy is in a relatively better place is a reward for holding its nerve. Confidence also shows in keeping the defense budget nearly constant. Inevitably, the pension costs have gone up, the defense pension costs have gone up because of the latest OROP, one rank, one pension hikes and arrear payments. But capital outlay or in common language money available for acquisitions is up only by 12,000 crores or 8% and it is trailing even the nominal GDP growth of 10.5%. The Modi government feels quite sure that there won't be a conflict, if at all it will be a minor skirmish and, and it will probably wait for the Agnipath scheme to kick in when the army manpower and wage bill begin to decline by next year. What happens is that the army might have 80,000 vacancies in a year to maintain the current strength. Only 40,000 Agnivirs are taken, so as such there is a 40,000 gap. That, that is being allowed because the government wants the size of the army, the manpower size to come down. And then year after year, you know that of the, of the Agnivirs, only 25% will be retained. And if this pattern continues, then chances are that the size of Indian army, the overall manpower strength will be cut by about 20-25%. That is an objective and in my view, a good objective. Every major country in the world is cutting the manpower size of its armed forces but investing more in technology, weaponry, standoff weapons because the era when soldiers went and fought soldiers in, mass, in a masked manner, physically that era is fast ending as we have seen in Ukraine-Russia war as well. Now the classical ploy in Indian political economy is to be seen as hurting the rich to please the poor. Two years back, the Modi government slashed corporate taxes and drew wide opprobrium. A government for the rich, a government of the rich, government for the rich, hum do hamare do, uh, government for Ambani's and Adani's. That they have done something similar, although on a smaller scale for the richest individuals in India, shows two things. One we are sure about, which is that the Modi Shah BJP now thinks that they are so far ahead for 2024 that they can take these risks. And second also comes wrapped in some optimism on my part, on our part, that the lowering of personal tax rates will also lead to enlarging overall tax collections, better tax compliance, less tax evasion, which is exactly, as this budget also affirms, which is exactly what happened with the corporate taxes. Corporate taxes were cut for one year, looked like they had fallen, the overall collection had fallen. There was also the pandemic effect but then those have picked up and now they have risen a great deal. In fact, they, have now, they are now back in terms of the percentage of GDP to where they were when tax rates were much higher. So what you have is much lower corporate tax rates and collections getting better and better, even better than before. I am hoping, and that's opinion, 
I'm hoping that the same thing will happen with personal taxation as well because rates have been cut effectively at all levels because also slabs have been shifted. Rates have been cut very bravely for the richest in India. As a result, and as I told you, this is also opinion, I expect and I hope that the government's overall tax collections will go up as a result of these tax cuts. Although the finance minister had to say that this will entail a sacrifice of this much this much of tax revenues, but the fact is it might be a sacrifice this year, but in the long run, better compliances will lead to better tax collections.